0: Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive.
1: Support for this show comes from Monroe Products dedicated to helping people develop their full potential with its extraordinary HemiSync Brainwave Entertainment Technology for balancing and focusing the brain. Learn more at HemiSync.com.
2: From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. My guests today are Donna Makova and Angie MacArthur. Donna Markova is a former senior affiliate of the Organizational Learning Center at MIT and an internationally known author and expert in the fields of learning, perception, and asset focus. She's also CEO Emeritus of Professional Thinking Partners. Angie MacArthur is the acting CEO of Professional Thinking Partners, and since joining the company in 1998, has co-officiated and designed global conferences, leadership retreats, training programs. And ongoing one-on-one thinking partnerships and organizations from nonprofits to Fortune 500s. Their new book is called Collaborative Intelligence, Thinking with People Who Think Differently. An excerpt of the book appears in the November-December issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Donna Makova and Angie MacArthur, welcome to Essential Conversations.
3: Thank you for having us.
2: us. Donna, let me start with you. In the book, you open with... A quote from Jacob Needleman, who I love and admire, I just want to read you the quote and then ask you a question about it. Needleman says, we have no choice but to think together, ponder together in groups and communities. The question is how to do this, how to come together and think and hear each other in order to touch and be touched by the intelligence we need. Now, we're going to go into how we do that in a moment, but I want to ask you first why do you think we aren't doing that? Have we stopped doing that?
1: I'm not sure whether we've stopped doing that, whether we've forgotten how to do that, or whether we've never actually experienced it and we've kept it as a concept. The way I first began to understand that is with my grandmother. I had a remarkable grandmother who was a midwife and a healer. And instead of squeezing my cheeks, she would kiss each fingertip and look at it and says, this proves... Each of these marks, never before and never again in all the history of humankind will there be another such as you. And Mm. the message I got was that I had a gift, a unique gift, to bring to the rest of the world. But likewise, every person who had marks like that, totally unique, at the end of their fingers, they also had a gift. So my grandmother, who was born in a potato farm in Russia, understood the essence of collaboration.
2: As a little girl, you're sort of guided in that direction. Obviously, you didn't know that, but it totally shaped you. Exactly. Before we get into the how, then, let me ask Angie. So how did you come to this?
3: Well, I'll riff on Donna and she started with her uh, childhood. My childhood was I was raised overseas, and we were in the Middle East, we were in Africa, we were in basically everywhere except North America for most of my childhood. So when I came back to Canada and the United States, I really understood what diversity meant through the lens of culture, race, sex, But it wasn't until I met Dr. Markova in 1997 that I really became fascinated with this concept of what makes each of our thinking unique. How are we unique with the ideas that we contribute, with the thoughts that we contribute? And building on my childhood diversity, it just seemed so natural to have this quest, this wanting to understand what does make each of us different beyond those typical ways that we're taught to recognize as we grow
2: up. Part of the book is this notion that great minds don't And that's what you're saying, that each one is individual, like a fingerprint, that minds don't think alike. So how do you understand what a great mind is, or do you mean all minds, no minds think alike?
1: I can tell you that for me, what stunned me first was the fact that my father, my grandmother's son, who worked his way up the ladder of success, which is what they called it in his lifetime, to become CEO of a major corporation. But he had a secret, and our family kept his secret, which is that he couldn't read. And the way that he managed was he brought me into his office every single day. And after everyone had left, he had a big old reel-to-reel tape recorder. And I would read this pile of papers into the tape recorder. Then, late at night, he would listen and memorize by ear what he heard me read from the stock market, all of it. And the next morning, he would put glasses on the end of his nose and move his head back and forth and pretend he was reading. (laughs) How this story is a response to your question is that it was obvious to me that my father had a great mind, and yet he was considered illiterate, ignorant, ignorant if anyone had known that he couldn't read his particular gift was to recognize the unique greatness of every person that worked with him and for him and he would put his arm around them and introduce them to me and always introduce them to me by their particular gift donna this is simon and simon has this wonderful ability to make other people's eyes shine when he talks to them and so from the time that i was young What I was learning was that each one of us has a gift, a contribution, a uniqueness, a greatness, if you will, something that no one else has, and our responsibility is to discover it and to bring it as fully and completely as
2: we can. So is it fair to say, first of all, we owe everything to your grandmother <laughs> because she <laughs> raised your dad and that's, you know, yes. you saw the same, yes. the same notions that you did, but is it fair to say that a great mind then is a mind that is capable of seeing the greatness of others?
1: And recognizing the responsibility of the greatness within yourself.
2: Okay, that's very good. So that's a, that's a nice balance. One of the concepts that the two of you explore in the book Collaborative Intelligence is the need to make a shift from a market share driven economy to to a mind share economy. As I understand it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but an economy that is market share driven is basically all about owning things, whereas a mind share economy is all about sharing ideas. Am I on the right track? Absolutely,
3: you're on the right track. And another fundamental difference is that in a market share economy, which we were all educated for, we're all trying to be the smartest person in the room. We're rewarded for being the smartest person in the room. And as a leader, you're taught to be a hero, whereas in a mind-share economy, which we're very quickly transitioning into, requires a leader to be a host. What that means is, requires people to understand themselves and the intellectual capital that's in the room, that unique brilliance that each person brings, and like a host, invite it into the thinking into the challenges and so as you move through a challenge everyone is co-involved in thinking through and it's a shift from how being the smartest guy in the room how are we collectively as a team or as a family unit how are we collectively smart and it takes a very big mind shift in order to wrap your head around that but we're seeing it over and over and over again as new economies and new ways of actually developing businesses are growing if you think of Uber or if you think of Airbnb these are all mind share economies not one of these companies Airbnb doesn't own one hotel room, the whole economy is based on that sharing of idea, that sharing of basis basically and we're not saying that one is better than the other it's just that we're moving into this mind share economy we have to appreciate that a market share economy is historically where we've been and a mind share economy is where we're going
2: Angie, you, you were involved with doing these thinking workshops with Fortune 500 companies as well as nonprofits. profits But when you look at a for-profit company, my experience, I was a consultant for about 10, 15 years with Fortune 500 companies. And my experience is there's always someone who's trying to hog the spotlight, show off, get the promotion. And what I hear you saying is, no, what's happening now is... If you're really a great mind, if you really want to be a true leader, the whole idea is to recognize, as Donna said earlier, your own genius. But then all the geniuses in the room, because without everyone, no one goes anywhere. Am I on target with that?
3: You're absolutely on track, and I think that we're seeing this even stronger in the younger generations, especially the millennials. They want to be included in the thinking. Those companies that are really stuck on these old hierarchical models, they're not able to recruit the young minds and the young talent that they so desperately need because they do want to be part of every conversation. They don't want just the bosses in the room. They want to be part and use their passion, use their intelligence to help solve these bigger problems. So from an HR perspective, it's also really fascinating to think of it as necessary in order to attract the young talent that's coming out.
2: Uh, Because they're looking for that kind of environment as opposed to the other zero-sum kind of workplace where one person wins at the expense of everybody else. Let's talk about the strategies for cooperative intelligence. Donna, the book says there are four of them. Can you give us a quick hit on each one?
1: Let me start with the outcome of understanding collaboration. We are given this clue when we're born as my grandmother was indicating to me. We already know how to collaborate on a very basic level. If you look at the human hand, which is at the end of your reach.
0: Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive.
1: Each finger is in fact collaborating with the other on behalf of this central unifying factor, which is the palm, which you could call it the question, what matters to us all? When you talked about the person who is smart and knows it all or tries to capital be smart, that could be the thumb of the hand. And one of the strategies is called mind patterns, which I've been doing research on for 50 years. And what mind patterns is about is recognizing the unique instrument that your mind uses to process information. So what I mean by that is what I discovered was that just like musical instruments, a violin makes music and a piano makes music, but you don't play them in the same way. Likewise, some people can talk and talk and talk, and that's their particular unique way that they play their instrument. They're not particularly good at listening, but the active part of their mind is expressing what they're feeling it may be that someone else in the room where the active part of their mind is let's say kinesthetic and so they're used to moving around and their movement is their way of thinking but the receptive part of that person's mind might be auditory so that person listens deeply and asks big questions well if those two people are in the room together they have different mind patterns they're two different instruments And so the second person might think the first person is taking up all the space in the room. What we talk about are strategies that both kinds of mind patterns, like two different instruments, can actually think together. So that's one of our primary strategies.
3: Angie, why don't you take the next one? The next one is a strategy of thinking talents. And all four of these strategies, what they in essence do is, help us recognize and understand differences with each other. Because without understanding these differences, we have unnecessary breakdowns. So when we say in our subtitle thinking with those who think differently all four of these strategies help you do exactly that recognize differences when they show up so that you can actually use them instead of have them be challenges and so the second strategy is around thinking talents and these are the ways in which we each think that are innate to us we're born with them they help bring us alive and they give us joy they give us energy the more that we use our thinking talents the more present we are and what happens is that without understanding that perhaps my talents are different than Donna's talents or anyone else on our team is that when something rubs me the wrong way, I attribute that to oh my gosh, she's a, a difficult personality or another breakdown but when I understand it's actually a talent that's coming forth, then I can actually use that talent to help perhaps address a challenge in a different way than I would and all of us have thinking talents and we also all have blind spots and so part of this strategy helps us recognize what are our blind spots and then how can we partner with those who can think in ways that we never could. And then the third strategy is around inquiry which is your natural way in which you approach challenges and again that may be different than your partner it's sort of your default way in which you want to approach a specific challenge and so for example you may have someone who's high- highly innovative. And so anytime a challenge happens, they just come up with idea after idea and that's their way of doing it. And then uh, you may have another person who's highly procedural and they'll look in the rear view mirror and want to look at what has been done before and what's the history has proven in terms of a track record. And so if those two people are in the room and they don't appreciate that those are actual differences, again, you could have an unnecessary breakdown. And then the last strategy is around mind share, which is really the mind shift it takes to turn towards what is possible with one another instead of what focusing on one another's differences. So those are the four strategies.
2: It's really about being inclusive when you're sitting in a conversation with someone to not need them to be like me, to think like me, and to make room in my own mind for not just the genius ideas they may come up with, but just their their way of thinking and not be frightened by it or put yourself in conflict with it. It should, I guess, and you've got the experience to back it up. It should lead, I guess, as you say, to this collaborative kind of intelligence where no one is left out and the mind of the group becomes larger than the mind of any one individual. One of the
1: things that I've noticed about the mindset that you specifically use, and I always read what you've written, is the assumption that a challenge means that we can ask ourselves, how can this help me grow, rather than an outside-in mindset that says, well, I'm smarter than everybody else, or I'm not as smart as everyone else, or I failed, or I succeeded. But this growth mindset that was first actually delineated by a woman named Carol Dweck is part of someone's mental set, and it's a mental set that is inclusive, because any challenge you meet, instead Mm -hmm. of pointing out the other person's deficits or noticing their deficits, you notice what's right about them, and you notice how you can collaborate and share with each other that which would grow both of you and grow what matters the most to you.
2: Which goes right back to your grandmother.
1: <laughs>
2: goes right back to my grandmother. <laughs> so Donna uh, and, and Angie, we're just about out of time. And I want to switch gears totally and ask you, Donna, a question about your earlier work. Because I wonder, I'm, I think there's a, there's a connection here. Long before your work on collaborative thinking, you created the kindness movement. And mm-hmm. you have three books still in print on kindness. I mean, they've sold over 9 million copies. Do you see a connection between what you were doing with the kindness movement and what you and Angie are now doing with Mindshare?
3: What
1: a lovely question. Yes, I do see a connection. When I do a random act of kindness, instead of taking an antidepressant, when I go into a store and sneak in and pay for someone's groceries and sneak back, and they have no idea who I am, and yet I sit in the car and I'm just glowing because it feels so good. Every endorphin I have is just chugging along. That's based on the assumption that we are, in fact, collaborators already, that there is this net, this Indra's net, this invisible net that connects us all, and that random act of kindness is sets a vibration off in me and in the person or persons for whom I do it, even if I've never met them. So I think this, this whole concept of, of how deeply we are connected is in every book I've written, The Art of the Possible, I Will Not Die an Unlive Life. It is what enables me to shine.
2: And now also helps other people do the same. Hopefully. 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 Well, I've read through lots of the book, and I, I think it's beyond hopefully. I think it, it really does exactly that. Our guests today were Donna Markova and Angie MacArthur. Their new book is Collaborative Intelligence, Thinking with People Who Think Differently, an excerpt of which appears in the November-December issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Thank you both for being with us on Essential Conversations. It was really delightful.
3: Thank you for hosting us.
2: Support for this show comes from Monroe Products, dedicated to helping people develop their full potential with its extraordinary Hemisync Brainwave Entrainment Technology for balancing and focusing the brain. Learn more at Hemisync.com. You can learn more about Donna and Angie's work at Professional Thinking Partners. The website is ptpinc.org. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Visit SpiritualityHealth.com and subscribe to the magazine in either print or digital formats. And download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Corinne Johnston, and our program coordinator is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening.